family, Vladimir Braknevsky here, and welcome to episode number 26 of the Ukramedia podcast, where I serve our Ukramedia family with weekly interviews from highly creative people. Today's guest is Kyle Martinez. He's a freelance designer and animator. Kyle is very active in the motion graphics community. His work has been featured on Lester Bangs, School of Motion, and many others. Kyle, welcome to the show. Feel free to fill in the gaps from the intro and tell us a little about your personal life. Hey, Vlad. Thanks for having me. This is my first podcast, so I'm a little bit nervous, but I'll do my best. Hey, I'm uh, nervous too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, you said it. I'm a freelance animator and designer based out of Phoenix, Arizona, where it's uh, 120 degrees, but it's a dry heat, so it's all good. Um, <laughs> I, I live here with, I have a daughter. Uh, she's beautiful. I have an awesome dog. And uh, we kind of just hang out and uh, I do animation and design. That's my primary focus. But I do have a little bit of uh, side work that I do, development stuff, so uh, scripts like uh, Obsessive Layers for After Effects. I have an extension called Cyclops, which is pretty cool. And then I have a couple things in the works that I can't talk about yet. Oh, maybe we'll get it out of you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, man, you say you live in Phoenix, Arizona. I know it gets pretty hot. You said 120 degrees. That's crazy. But I, you know, me and my family, we go to Palm Desert Springs pretty much every year. And I think it's pretty similar to Phoenix, I'd say. And I remember it was like 120 degrees and me and my son, we tried to fry an egg on the asphalt because it was so hot and it actually kind of worked. And I, I actually did a, uh, a vlog about it. So I'll have to link it in the, in the show notes. But anyway, that's a whole another conversation. So, but hey, listen, I, I'm very excited to talk to you. I've seen your work on Lester Banks and School of Motion, which by the way, you do great work, Thank you. but Thank I'm excited you. to learn more about you and your creative journey. So let's start from the very beginning. How did you get started in design and animation? Walk me through that. Right. Yeah. My story starts out very similar, I think, to most people. But um, during college, it kind of gets a, a little strange. So it'll be interesting. Um, <laughs> when I was six, I told my parents that I wanted to be a film editor in Hollywood, which I think is a really weird thing for a six-year-old to say. But that's wow. where I was. And so I kind of have been sort of on this one track of doing uh, media of some kind, you know, sort of my whole life. In high school, I started exploring After Effects, mostly out of necessity. I had a a stop motion film that I did. And in that film, there was a sequence with sort of like a time lapse of a sunrise. And the street lamp like wasn't like wasn't noticeable. And I wanted you to see it sort of like be on at night. And then as the sun comes off, it turns off. And so I went into After Effects and kind of messed with sort of creating a fake street light. And I thought, wow, After Effects is really powerful. You can do like a lot of really cool things. And so I started doing, you know, some titles here and there or simple VFX, like, you know, replacing a sign or a badge, just kind of the basic stuff. And compositing sort of took over from just editing. And so that's how I kind of got my start into After Effects. And when I, when I went to college, I got accepted to the to like a film school and I talked was talking with my parents and they were saying like, okay, that's fine, but that's really specific. And so what if for some reason you can't get into the industry or it doesn't work? Like, what's your fallback going to be? So I got all freaked out. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and so what was cool is that at my college, there was actually a, uh, a computer science track. Um, so like a, a, I got a degree in computer science, but it had sort of a focus on multimedia and graphic design. So I had sort of this backup plan of like, oh, I could do programming if I needed to, but I can also still do multimedia and graphic design. And that's sort of where I kind of developed this, like basically these two sides where I have like artistic side, I want to animate and create stuff like that. But then there's the more like um, technical side when it comes to like uh, programming and JavaScript and things like that. And so that's sort of how I went through college. And it was after college that I kind of did some, you know, some odd jobs here and there. And then sort of realized that After Effects 
included both those sides. And something that stood out to me is a while back, Adam Fluff, he's the guy from, he created Rubber Hose and, and stuff like that. I talked to him pretty regularly and he said that um, After Effects is like tricking a calculator into making art, you know, this computer that's ones and zeros, but then doing something artistic with it. And so that's sort of my focus is a lot of my work has like the artistic side and animation, but then I also love to do the technical side when it comes to like expressions and rigs and scripts and extensions and all that kind of thing too. So I have like these two sides that I focus on and it's always try to struggle to figure out like, okay, which one should I be focusing on now? So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Sounds good. Now you didn't mention school of motion. I'm curious, how did school of motion come about? Was it something that you, you decided to attend later? Yeah, so I, I graduated from college and was sort of like uh, just kind of working just sort of a, a regular media type job, kind of doing all sorts of things. And, you know, through researching tutorials and stuff, I came across School of Motion. And at the time, they didn't have any of these boot camps that they have now. And Joey basically sent out a link and said, like, hey, we're going to be doing this beta class when it comes, like, basically how to be an animator, sort of the basics that you need to know. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And he did like a little... Um, like introduction sort of open house thing for it. And in that video, he said, here's a logo. And it was like this, like, you know, a basic like feather logo. It was very simple. And he said, like, if you're going to animate this, you could do a quite a few things, right? And he showed us some examples. But if you know the animation principles, you can take this rather boring feather logo and make it really interesting. And like the minute that he put in like some overshoot and some subtle I was like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. I want to know how to do that. And so that's the thing that got me hooked. And so I signed up for the beta class. I was in the very first class that I ever ran. It was so interesting. I learned so much. And that sort of got, got me really focused on animation because up till then I hadn't been doing any freelance or anything like that. Now I'm curious, why did you decide to go the freelance route instead of the corporate route? I did actually do the corporate route for a while. And it was just one of those things where, you know, you get hired to do something like do something, whether it's animation or uh, video production in general. And then sort of what happens is, especially in like a corporate environment, like a non-studio, but like real corporate, mm -hmm. it's you begin to like, hey, I need you in this meeting. Then I need you in these three meetings. Now I need you in 10 million meetings and you never actually get to do what you were hired to do. That's kind of what happened. And so I decided that wasn't for me. I'd rather actually like, I don't know, animate. <laughs> Man, it's so true because they pull you into these meetings about meetings and then you're, you know, I found most of my time in the corporate world just balancing my checkbook and organizing my calendar and planning my, you know, vacation and all this stuff because it is true. It's amazing how many meetings people have and I hope there's uh, some kind of solution for the future that people eliminate all these unnecessary meetings. Plus, oh. I was, I think I'm, I'm allergic to the cubicle life too, so I'm not too crazy about that. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Now, you've been freelancing for a, while, for a while. Tell us the story of your worst moment as a, it could be as a freelancer or just designer, animator in general. Walk us through that story. Okay. So I've been really lucky that my clients that I've worked with and the studios that I've worked with have all been great. And, uh, you know, I get paid on time and I haven't really had any issues like that. And so my struggles and my worst experiences come from just my ability to like, I sort of maybe like my eyes are bigger than my stomach kind of thing where... I'm like, oh, I could do this awesome sequence. And then, you know, I get to the point where I need to animate it. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> and so what I've learned from that is that our community is amazing. My very mm -hmm. first project was my very first freelance project was in 2015. So it wasn't it, like, it wasn't all that long ago. And 
I had this idea of basically these like greeting cards. It was for a greeting card company. Uh, I wanted them to kind of float in screen into the screen and I had no clue how to do it. And, you know, After Effects doesn't really support that kind of style very well. And so you usually have to go to Cinema 4D to do like some spline wrapping or whatever. And of course, I didn't know anything about that at the time. And so I sort of was searching around online and I came across Oddfellows. One of their videos had like kind of the perfect idea of what, what I was trying to achieve, obviously just a little bit differently. And so I'm like this little no-name guy just getting started in the industry. And Oddfellows, you know, it's incredible. And I'm like, I wonder if I should just reach out to them. And so I like, I think I know, I don't know if it was like an email or a DM or something. I said like, hey, could you guys let me know how you achieve something like this? I'm trying to do it for mine. And it was amazing. Whoever it was, was like, oh yeah, here you go. And they like sent me the Cinema 4D project file. And they're like, this is how you do it. If you have any questions, like just call us. And I was like, wow. whoa, okay. Um, well, thank you. <laughs> like just totally uh, like <laughs> it was blown away by like how willing they were to help. And like, they just like sent the project file. Like it was no big deal. And so that kind of, that sort of attitude is something that, that I'm hoping that I can do. Like I try to, like you said in the intro, I say I try, try to stay active on, on Twitter and, and answer questions as much as possible and just try to give back as much as I can. And so that's sort of like the attitude I learned from that. And I'm really glad I learned that early um, rather than later. I agree with you. And man, there's something about community. We have a, a private Facebook mentoring group, which is free to anyone. And we have about a little over 2,100 people in the group. And that's what I love seeing in the community. Everyone's collaborating, asking questions. Someone that has a problem and all of a sudden four or five people jump in and they help them solve that problem. I love how the motion graphics community is so willing to help each other, even for podcasts. Like I've learned that just to reach out to people, get them on the show, people like you, Joey Corman from School of Motion, Chris Doe and others. Like it's amazing how you can reach them. They actually will respond. And so, yeah, and I'm surprised that not a lot of people take advantage of that. So that's a, that's definitely a big takeaway because a lot of people don't take advantage of their community. Now, share your best project that you worked on to date. I feel like every project that I work on is better than the previous. Um, I'm still <laughs> at that point in my you know, motion design career where I feel like I'm growing a lot because I, I start, sort of started from the bottom, you know. And so I look back and see like every project, either I developed a better eye as an animator, um, I've improved my design skills or something like that. My best project, I would say, would be my most recent one, which hasn't been released yet, so I can't share it, but I will definitely do it as soon as I can. And it was something right. that I... I designed, which doesn't happen very often. I'm not that confident as a designer. I animated and I was sort of like the director for it as well. Definitely send it to me when you're finished with it. I'd love to share it with our audience. Our mailing cool, list totally. will be more than happy to do that. Now, share let's say, one of your personal habits that contributes to your success. Do you have like a daily morning routine or anything that you do every day that uh, helps you staying creative? This is the part where people are going to start to think that I'm like totally weird and crazy. Um, <laughs> I don't really have a regular morning routine. However, I have to take a shower in the morning and I have to wear a belt. If I don't do either of those things, then my day is completely off. It's something <laughs> that just happens. I don't know, but it's weird. Yeah. That is funny because, well, I have one thing too. I always have to have a chapstick with me. And if I leave the house without a chapstick, like I go in, into panic mode, like it affects my whole day. So it's yeah. interesting how we all have these like little things that I guess help us throughout the day. Now, how do you, you said that you're a father. How do you balance work and personal life? I'm definitely very purposeful about spending time with my daughter when she's home. But, you know, there's sometimes that you just have to work. And so I sort of realized that I can work, you know, in the morning when she's not awake. I can, I can work at night when she goes to bed. 
and then I can work during the day when I need to. Um, but it's really just about scheduling your time. I try not to answer emails unless there's like a fire. I try not to, you know, sit on Twitter and stuff while we're hanging out, just because I think it's very important that I show her that she's the priority. And so that's sort of, sort of comes to like just being really good about time management. No, I totally agree with that. And man, the guilt that comes with, you know, being on the phone in front of your kids. Ah, I hate that. Like every time. So as soon as I have that guilt, I go straight to my room and now I actually plug it, plug up my phone in my closet just so it's far away from me as possible. Because <laughs> oh, man, once you're in, once you're on the, on the phone, that's it. Like you're, you're hooked, you're on there for hours and that's a totally. good Now, what is the best advice you've ever received in this industry? Yeah. Um, so I actually really like this question a lot because I can hopefully like pass on stuff to someone else. But, uh, I heard that you should always surround yourself with people who are better than you. A while ago, someone told me that you should never be the smartest, the best, or the most talented person in the room. And if you are, you need to find a new room. That sort of seems like almost counterintuitive because people obviously want to be the best at what they're doing. And so but you can't get better if you're not growing. And so that definitely stuck with me over the past couple of years. And one reason why I definitely try to reach out to people who are better and just learn from them so that I can always get better. And then hopefully other people are doing the same thing. So true. I think it's Jim Brown uh, that said once that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And that's so true. And I think there's one other quote that I heard. It said, the friends are like elevators. They'll either take you up or down, but they'll rarely leave you where they found you. So that's that's another powerful too. And it is so true. Like you want to be really good. You stick around with people that are amazing and just being around them you automatically will have to up up your game a little bit just to just to be just to be close to them, you know. Now, yeah, definitely. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, and I ask all of my guests this. Well, most of my guests this question, and for you, it's I think because you went through School of Motion. I'm curious to hear your response. I want to know what are your thoughts about higher education. If you had to do it all over again, would you go through more traditional route, or would you go more through like something like School of Motion? Uh, that's a great question. And I think I have sort of a unique outlook on that because right around the time that I was going to college was when like the US like stock market crashed and all the housing issues and all that kind of stuff. And so people were losing their jobs left and right. But my parents were adamant. They said, you got to go to college and get a degree. And I did it. And that degree hangs on my wall and does nothing else. Uh, It has never helped me get a job or anything like that. But like I said, I went to school for like computer science and sort of it was a little bit different route. I think if I had to do it again, keeping in mind that the motion design industry wasn't really like it was sort of in its baby stages at that point, I wouldn't go to a brick and mortar traditional college school or something like that. I would try to do an online thing. If you look, I mean, it's kind of crazy. You can go on YouTube and like learn basically anything that you want. And there's, you know, like 13 year old kids in like Kazakhstan or whatever that are like incredible, (laughs) like, and they're just starting, you know, and, and. So that's kind of interesting, but there are a lot of really cool opportunities. You know, you hear about good schools like SCAD and uh, BFS and stuff like that. You know, MoGraph Mentor has a, a brand new physical campus in Florida that they just opened up. And so there are other options. And I think that's important that someone do the research before they commit to college. You know, I, I was lucky. I had a full a full ride scholarship, so it didn't cost me anything. But I know that's oh, wow. definitely not the case. Yeah, that's definitely not the case for most people. They they either spend a lot of money or they try to spend a lot of money and go in debt or whatever. But I think doing the best decision for you, our industry specifically, you know, I wouldn't say, hey, you can be a doctor and be self-taught. That's not quite how it works. But for ours specifically, I'd say do your research and decide what's the best for you. No, definitely. Now, how did you get a full-ride scholarship? What did you do? 
I was not allowed to have a job in high school. My parents said school is your job, and so they paid me for my grades, which at the time was frustrating, but I'm glad because it pushed me to be more of an academic, and those grades are the, are what helped me get a, that scholarship. Wow, that is pretty cool. It's something that maybe I should apply with my kids. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, yeah, you are a student. You should concentrate. I think juggling between two things, you, you never, you rarely get good at two, you know? So if right, you're a yeah. student, be a student. And that's, a, your, your parents are very wise. That's pretty cool. So I'm going to, I hope there's no copyright on that. I'm going to have to steal that one. <laughs> Definitely. You can have it. That's for free. <laughs> Thank you. Very generous of you. <laughs> now you're, you're a freelancer. How do you price your work? I, I feel like that's a, a very sensitive topic that no one wants to talk about too much, but I'm curious. It seems like you've been very successful for a while. Do you have any tips, advice for us, how we can price our work? Um, that is a good question. And like you said, there's not a lot of transparency in the industry, but it's been interesting. I would say probably 60% of the work that I get, someone comes to me and says, you know, this is my budget. This is what we want to achieve. And then I, and it's up to me to say, no, I can't do that for that budget. Or, hey, I am still interested in working with you. But with that budget stocking work, can we re- can I, maybe I'll reduce my either the length or kind of like how fancy it's going to be. So it's kind of like working, like going back and forth. And that's something that I had to do for this last project was they came to me and said that we have this much money. Actually, how it really happened was they came to me and said, hey, we want you to do something like how much do you think it would cost? And then I throw out a number and they say, oh, that's way too much. We only have this. And I'm wishing they would just tell me what they had in the first place. But that doesn't matter. Either way. So then I, but I still wanted to work with them. And so I said, that's fine. And I would like to work with you. Can you increase it, you know, by X dollars because I want to do these other things. Maybe it'll be a reduced scope. Maybe it will be shorter. Maybe it will be uh, not including something that's more time heavy, like 3D. Um, so kind of going back and forth. So that's like 60% of my jobs are, are sort of like a fixed budget. And then maybe 40% are like, hey, this is what we want to do. And then I say, that's great. I think it'll take this long. It's going to cost this much based on my day rate. And then we sort of go back and forth. So it's like w- one way the money is coming to me. And the other way is I'm saying I need this much money. But either way, it's important to know how long it took you to do something so you can price accordingly, right? And so I use a a web app called Toggle. It's free to use. And so I can basically track how much time I spend on a project. And I'm a little bit neurotic. And so I'll track like how much time I spend storyboarding, illustrating, animating. If I'm in Cinema 4D specifically, I'll track that, uh, rendering, all those kinds of things. So I can look back over the past three years at every project I've ever worked on. And I can see how long I spent on it. And so the nice part is I can see if the video was this long, and it was this kind in this style with this content, then here's a couple averages of time that it took me to do it so I can better price in the future. Now, I don't show the client any of that. That's none of their business. But for me, it helps me to make sure that I'm going to be bidding on something that is fair for me, but also fair for them. You know, pricing your work is something that most people are not good at or not very comfortable doing. It is a skill. Making money is a skill. Is it something that came natural to you or it took you some time to figure out? Once again, it was like someone I heard in the very beginning, like, if you don't bring up money, then the client will. And so if you're the one who wants to get paid and you're the one who wants to do it, then you kind of have to take the bull by the horns. And so I try to do that by nature. I'm not really like an assertive person or really like confrontational. But when right. it comes to money, I'll, I'll straight up lay it out and say, look, this here's the deal. Like, let's talk about it. And I think that 
sort of, it's kind of cool because it, then it sort of forces the client or the studio to realize like, oh, this guy's serious. Like, all right, let's like actually take this serious. Sort of gives you sort of an upper hand, but like in a fair way. Now, if you, this is a question that you're the very first person that I'm going to ask this question, but I figured I'm going to throw this one in. If you could have lunch with any famous person, who would it be and why? I don't know. I don't know who it is and I don't even know <laughs> if they're still alive, but I would say that the, the animators who worked on any of the scenes from Aladdin with Genie, oh. I would love to sit down with. They're, I, every time I watch it, you know, my daughter's very young. She's, she's almost five. And so we watch a lot of Disney movies. But every time we watch it, I just sit there and think, like, how much fun was it to just, like, they basically had free reign to, like, do whatever they wanted for this guy because he's not, he's not bound by, like, real physics. He's not bound by anything. And so it just looked so fun, and I love to hear their experience and what they learned and, and that kind of thing. So if anybody knows who it was or, or whatever, I'd love to, to find out. That's a great response, man. That's pretty cool. Now thinking about that, yeah, I would love to talk to that person too. <laughs> yeah. Now share one online resource. Ooh, see, what's funny is that this question is actually harder than the, than the famous person question. <laughs> um, I guess it kind of depends, you know, sort of what you're looking for online. Uh, but when it comes to sort of uh, like advice and suggestions and help, you know, Twitter is a great way. The nice part is that it's real time and there's a lot of people on there and, and the motion design community is really active on Twitter. But if you need something sort of maybe a little bit more, you know, quote, official, there is a motion design Slack that has quite a few members that's really active. And so if you need specific help, I've gone there a lot, really, when it comes to like 3D, because that's not my strength. Um, mm. But if you need like Cinema 4D help or whatever, there, the Slack has a bunch of different channels and you can join it for free as long as you're a motion designer. The only problem is because it's so huge and it's a free community, sort of you kind of have to ask your questions, get the answers, because there's so much action on there that it sort of like fades off into them into oblivion pretty quickly. But, but it is really great. It's very active. Cool. Thank you for that. I'll definitely include it in the show notes. Now, what are you most excited about today? Uh, do you mean like literally today or uh, like, could be like about your work, like anything that you, well, you're working on a secret project. Tell us a little more about that. I'm trying to squeeze it out of you. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. I, I will, I will talk a little bit. So I partnered up with a friend of mine, in Ohio, and we're working on a tool for After Effects that is going to help make, it's like a workflow improvement. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I think pretty much every animator does every single day. And it comes down to uh, parenting and sort of making that process easier mm. and better and quicker and more efficient. I'm pretty excited about it. It's, it's actually a really cool product. Uh, I try to make a habit of not working on things that I myself wouldn't use. And I definitely use this one. So... That's all I'll say for now. I'm excited about that. Uh, whenever, whenever you're done, shoot me an email, man. I'd love to uh, share it with our audience and include it in the show notes. Now, one last question. How can people get in touch with you? I've sort of been a, a spokesperson for Twitter today, but uh, <laughs> if you reach out to me on Twitter at, at Kyle T. Martinez, don't forget the T, I will totally uh, be able to respond, whether it's a DM or on there. Uh, it's kind of cool. I had a couple of people actually email me recently and say, hey, thank you so much for always being available on Twitter to help out with stuff. And my response is always sort of like a rising tide lifts all boats. And so that's sort of the the mindset that I want to take. And it all stems back to that first interaction with Oddfellows. But yeah, so Twitter is a great one. I, I do have an Instagram. I try to be active on there. I'm not very good at it yet. And then my website is just kyle-martinez.com. I have an email on there. I do have a, a web form that never gets used. But you can see my work on there. And then, uh, but yeah, definitely Twitter is the, the number one way for me. All right. Well, thank you so much for being available. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. 
Yeah, thank you for having me. This has been awesome. All right. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kyle Martinez. Kyle, thank you again for your time. I appreciate it. Make sure to check out Kyle's website, kyle-martinez.com. All the links and resources mentioned in this episode are also available on our website at ukramedia.com slash 26. And while you're there, check out our course on After Effects Expressions. And we also have lots of useful products that will simplify your workflow. So definitely check them out. Don't forget to join our online mentoring group on Facebook. Simply go to ukramedia.com slash community. We have well over 2,000 people in this group. It's a very active group. It's a great online resource for those of you trying to grow. And it's absolutely free. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. I appreciate you and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of the Ukramedia Podcast. Bye-bye.